Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. Mental health in the workplace got a lot more focus over the last couple years, but it's still an area companies are learning about. Stephen Gramlich is the co-founder and chief marketing officer at Headversity, a Calgary-based mental health tech company that was recently named one of the top 50 fastest growing companies in Canada. He and the team at Headversity are on a mission to set the new standard for workforce mental health through a focus on prevention. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you. And David, good morning. Good morning, Tara. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, David. Stephen, I was looking at your uh, resume and I went on LinkedIn because you are very short on the bio you sent me. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I had to it's dig humble. a little uh, Yeah, I had to dig a little bit uh, deeper. And Bachelor of Commerce degree, yep. Associate Producer and Music Supervisor. How did you end up? Why and when with, you know, mental wellness? Yeah, I mean the the you're right. There's an eclectic background. <laughs> um, I think the associate producer and music supervisor is a big title for what I did. But uh, we worked on a documentary. That was actually my entry point into mental health. Uh, it was a, a concussions and the after effects of concussions for athletes, as actually uh, as it related to mental health implications afterwards. So we produced that. I think back in 2015, it was called The Dark Room, uh, and again, that was my entry point into mental health. And I think I. I saw some of the impacts of, of people who'd experienced these trauma uh, and hearing their, their stories firsthand. Our CEO is a, a psychiatrist, so he's, re- he's really my chauffeur when it comes to mental health and, and getting introduced. But uh, we worked on that project together, had a couple of, of colleagues at Headversity now, and um, that's really how we got into the industry. And that was in every sport or specific to hockey or football or whatever? I mean, it is in every sport, but it was a, it was a hockey-focused story. And? Uh, I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> uh, we, we produced it. It got on the CBC doc channel. Uh, we got it distributed in a few different countries. So when we were done that project, I think we were eager to, you know, how do we continue this mental health journey? You know, while we love making documentary films, it's not the most, you know, lifelong fruitful endeavor. So we we're like, how do we do this and actually impact people on a more widespread basis? And I think when we got into assessing the industry and assessing the needs, it was workforce and very acute needs. Um, so that's where we kind of ended up and going with this. So you- should I share my experience as a general manager of a professional basketball team? I think you should. Yes, please do. Well, some of them have mental issues without getting concussions. Don't we all? <laughs> it, does not re- it does not require head injury. No. All right. So why don't we focus on adversity and what you do in the workplace? As I mentioned in, in earlier in the intro, you have a more proactive approach. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that. Yeah, we believe that, uh, you know, that what's been going on in the last few years is exacerbated what's going on, I think, in the industry for a long time. But we've all suffered things. We've all gone through hardships specifically around the pandemic and, and things globally around that. Um, we think the the mental health uh, has a has a bad you know has a bad brand per se as around uh, a lot of us uh, you know there's a lot of conjuring things of like illness so we think that it's a much more widespread uh, you know a couple of bad days in succession a couple of bad nights sleep and we're all sort of reeling a little bit so I think when it came to us and, and how we were focusing on how we came into this space it was in a much more skill based. Um, you know, employee-wide, employee-based-wide approach to mental well-being and building skills um, that can be used in a 
in a daily capacity. Can you give an example of, of how you do that? So we have, we have short video form content. We have uh, tools on our platform that you can do a, an optimism exercise or build some mindfulness, um, do, do different exercises that relates to um, mindfulness lessons. Mindfulness, mental fitness uh, is another skill that we focus on. So we have tools and training that's bespoke to each individual learner on our platform. So we help them build those skills where they might be short. I'm, Stephen, I'm going to shock Tara now, and I'm going to be the devil's advocate here for the first time. Oh, know, yeah. In, in he never now. plays that part. Bring it on. Um, being the oldest in the room right now, I've been in the workforce since 1981, and I don't remember so many discussions around, you know, work wellness and work uh, issues. And, you know, our generation is not too bad. Aren't we pushing an agenda right now that, you know, Everybody has it, or it's so kind of uh, overwhelming that people kind of get into it because it's being pushed forward as as a as a thing. I mean, it's it's not the first time we've heard things like that. I think it's more a reflection of of um, you know different um, you know different generations. I think different and how we're we're facing adversity, how we're dealing with adversity. Uh, you know, generationally, there may be different hardships that you know, a generation like yours might have faced and in indifference to a younger generation. But we know that, you know, the statistics are what the statistics are. And, and generally today, the younger um, end of the workforce, the millennial age, and, and even younger than that, um, just the percentages of how they're being impacted and their mental well-being is, is quite staggering. So we're not I'm not here as the as the medical person who can tell you why that is, but but it's certainly been the case, and we're certainly getting that reflected back uh, from the workforces and the organizations we're dealing with. But I, I couldn't, you know, possibly come to the root of that. But we know that um, certainly in the pandemic, I think as I as I alluded to, that's that's contributed to things negatively. I think when we're talking about you know prolonged isolation, um, but it didn't like start the pr- no. pandemic. Nope. The pandemic is just, you know, it's it's the, the the big billboard that everybody's using right now, and and I I see what you you say and and I understand what you say, but is it our fault as parents that we you know our kids grew up you know covered with too much too much you know good stuff compared to us that we are kids of the World War Two? I don't think it's. I mean, there's probably a number of reasons. I don't think we could draw it back to parenting per se. But oh, it's not my fault. Yeah, it's not your fault. I'm going <laughs> oh, to absolve you of this. Uh, you know, once again, I'll, I'll take my expert hat off because I, I come at this from the you know the marketer and, and that side of uh, perspective. But I think um, you know, it's just it's a generational thing. It's uh, how we cope with adversity is is uh, both an individual and a generational thing that we're seeing trends move in the direction of you know people being more concerned with um, how they spend their time, their quality of life, and uh, not necessarily taking the same, you know, put your head down and put in 10 hours of work and, and you know, go home and, and call it a hard, hard day. Uh, not to say some of that doesn't happen, but there is a generational shift towards, you know, looking after our, our well-being in general, doing things that we love to do. And I think in keeping with that, um, certainly there's economic conditions that contribute as well to, you know, um, where things are from an economic standpoint today versus 20, 30 years ago. So I think it all kind of blends together. There's not probably one commonality, but mm-hmm. um, certainly trends we're seeing overall. So along the lines of what David was, where his perspective is coming from, there are some workplaces who are saying, why would we take on the cost of trying to help somebody's <clears throat> mental well-being when it may not have anything to do with the workplace? Mm-hmm. So how have you seen these types of investments work for companies? 
Well, everyone's always looking for an ROI around mental health. I think that's the, that's initially, it was probably a predated thinking before the pandemic and even, you know, years before that. I, I think right now what we're seeing is hard costs uh, for organizations of turnover. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're seeing even again, back to the trends thing, like employees uh, are, are 80% of employees. There's a recent statistic that would leave their current company for a company that better looked after their mental well-being. Mm-hmm. So we've heard things like the great resignation um, and, and mental health is now at the center of what's going on with that. Um, you know, again, reasons sometimes um, evading us of what's the core contributor to that, but people are attributing their mental well-being and burnout in a workforce setting as their employer needs to be able to support them in that. And that's not just a personal responsibility. It's a workforce responsibility. It's where we're spending most of our time. Um, so we need to be able to do things in real time that are going to impact us in the course of our day. So do you give, do you also counsel the workplace of how to, uh, help people with their mental health, not just the personal one-on-one piece through their mobile, but do you coach leaders? We do. Um, we've, we think it's a, there's a blend of individual and team-based learning. I think it's important to build that, uh, into a psychologically safe workforce so, you know, being able to bring common language around some of the concepts that we'll build on an individual level, empowering leaders to say, you know, this is how I can, uh, with an evidence-based background, speak to mental health, not be an expert, but we'll definitely provide and help train up some of the managers so that they can speak to that in a more uh, authoritative way and not feeling like they have to, you know, be an expert. So we can help them be experts um, sort of in their own in their own team setting. So we can build that into a meeting and that's really what we're trying to trying to do is understanding that we're not going to we're not going to interrupt the employees' work that we need to seamlessly fit within it. And that when it comes to a team based setting, getting into a five minute um, toolbox talk or health and safety meeting, uh, finding ways to bring mental health into those type of seamless settings is uh, is important. That's part of it, right? A lot of the managers feel like, well, I'm not qualified to have these conversations. So that's probably something that's really useful. We're with Stephen Gramlich, the co-founder and chief marketing officer at Headversity. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back and find out exactly how this works from an employee standpoint. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. We are back with our guest, Stephen Gramlich, co-founder and chief marketing officer of Headversity. Uh, before we talk about the conference you guys are going to host, um, I, I'm still playing the devil's advocate. And I saw on your website that you say that five out of five people are having uh, wellness issues at the workplace, even though the statistics says only one from five. So... I'll rephrase. It's not, it's not an issue. It's, it's uh, five and five of us are affected by mental health. I think where I was going with the, and what we're talking about is mental health is a five and five reality. So it's not the necessarily the head in your hands. Uh, I'm in crisis mode. It's um, the day-to-day adversity that we all face. Um, that's mental health. So I think that talking about mental health is if um, I'm, I have a clinical diagnosis of depression, there's a much broader spectrum. And that's what we're talking about. Maybe can you define that a little bit further then so that we can have an understanding? You were saying that mental health and mental illness, and it does have a little bit of a stigma. So what kinds of things are we talking about when we're talking about mental wellness in the workplace? I mean, I think, so if you're, 
anything from a from a performance setting in, in your own personal domain. So if you're you're delivering a presentation or you need to have a focus moment or um, you know, there's there's a lot of predated thinking around, you know, leave your issues at the door. And I think a lot of us have a million things going on. Um, and it doesn't necessarily meet a clinical mental health diagnosis, but we're talking about uh, you know, I have a child at daycare and dropping her off and having two hours of sleep and, you know, having to perform in my setting. Um, there's there's a million instances of that. And I think that's what we're talking about when it comes to the normalizing mental health and, you know, sharpening up for a focus moment or uh, building your confidence before a public speaking opportunity or, you know, anything as it relates to the more performance oriented. It's a, it's a wide spectrum. Uh, I think we just need to recognize that there's, there are, you know, a much more proactive way when we're talking about on that whole full spectrum on the performance end of it, rather than necessarily all supports being um, in a more reactive space around illness. So uh, let's take my company as an example, 48 employees, you're talking about preventing instead of dealing with an issue after it it arrives. So what's the process? If I want to to do today to look at the the process that uh, Adversity is doing, what's the process? So there's, I mean, it's, the training is based on building resilience. So it's, it's getting ahead of adversity that comes your way. Uh, A lot of people might construe, you know, resilience and, and, and that being a habit or don't have it type of, you know, on off. Um, I I think when it comes to the the training and the psychology around it is, is upskilling yourself in these various areas around resilience. So if it's uh, building your mental fitness, building your hardiness, maximizing your energy management, uh, those are things that can help you, uh, you know, have that fuller, fuller cup of adversity or fuller, excuse me, uh, resilience when that adversity comes your way so that you're not depleted in all of these areas. And then you're, you know, potentially sent in a way where, you know, normal hardships might affect you adversely. So I think it's building these things up. We have a platform to, that helps do that. Um, that's based on, on evidence-based principles led by a psychiatrist and, and performance psychologist that informs the training. So do you, um, do you build that training based on some of the challenges that happen within that specific company? I mean, there's certain, there's certainly customization we can mm-hmm. do, but it's, it's a, it's, it's more of a, you know, there's a train, there's training modules, there's training tools that are fairly evergreen, no matter what type of industry you're in, be that, you know, a frontline employees who are, uh, you know, in a health and safety setting or, or if it's a, you know, a white collar type of job, there's fairly universal applicability to it. Um, although we do find, you know, you know, success when we can customize and come in and speak to an industry specifically to that industry. So we do have have capabilities of doing that. It sounds to me like it's um, a building of of strength and resilience for people. Um, so I don't. I just see this as as building some um, different skills for people so that they can. Like, let's say that David had some had a whole group of people that they were always focused on presentations, mm-hmm. like you said, and so then they would then be able to have a whole module on presentations and getting yourself in the right headspace so that you can be as successful as possible. Is that what we're be looking as at? Specific as a, as the context of presentations. That's more an right. example, right? But it would be more about you know, what are the things that you need to do to help draw out your best performance? And that could be from a mental fitness side. So uh, how do you sharpen your poise or your, or your focus when it comes to what you need to do in that moment? If it's a presentation, that could be one thing, but that's why, you know, there's applicability to, you know, every single possible industry, but it's just, it's taking some of the, at least on the mental performance side, some of those concepts that might even be um, in an Olympic setting, uh, how an athlete would prepare there's a lot of parallels in how we can do that into any performance setting. And I think that's what primarily when it comes to upskilling 
Um, that's what we're talking about. Our guest this morning is Stephen Gramlich, co-founder and chief marketing officer, Head Varsity. So, Stephen, uh, Upstream Conference. I'm I'm familiar with Upstream from the oil and gas industry. How is uh, Upstream going to mm-hmm, be yeah. part of uh, Head Varsity and uh, hosting a conference? Different Upstream for sure. Not, <laughs> not oil and gas. Uh, although there may be some oil and gas people who will attend. I think Upstream is the is the first preventative mental health summit um, in North America. So it's being held here in Calgary on November 8th, um, and that's at Contemporary Calgary. Um, An event built for HR and safety professionals, uh, leaders who are just uh, concerned with the latest technology and trends around employee well-being. Mm. Um, And so we've got uh, experts, uh, panelists from across North America that are that have, you know, kindly joined us and uh, including Steve Cadigan, who's the uh, first CHRO uh, from LinkedIn, who's going to be our keynote speaker. Yeah, I really like him. Mm-hmm. He's got some great things to say, some good some good learnings there. So if I am an employee and my company has chosen to work with Adversity, then is it something, it's an app on my phone and can I just access whatever trainings I need at that time or how does it work? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, so app, employers will will get sponsored licenses for all all employee access to to access on an app uh, or on a on a desktop application. So we we access it through either your computer or or your mobile phone. Um, and training is bespoke to the individual. So you know if usually what we see is about five minutes five minutes a day from a learner. Uh, it's not we're not asking for an hour. We're not asking people to consume things for two hours at a time. This is an Instagram. This is short form. Uh, we don't. We actually celebrate the micro nature of it. We don't want people to be on their phones for an excessive amount of time. Um, so we ac- we understand the workforce, and and really, there's not more time in the employee day today. It's it's being compressed, if anything. So it feels like we have an hour or two hours less in a day. So our training is much more based on doing things in short form and kind of actionable training that way. So as an employer, how do I, uh, you know? Uh, see the the results. How do I measure those? Uh, what is the my ROI return on investment? I mean, there's lots of studies around uh, investing in mental health programs. I believe Deloitte a couple of years ago released a study about I think it's a dollar and sixty two cents of every dollar invested uh, in a mental health program. Uh, longer when you come to the long term relationships over three years, I think it's over over two dollars is what the ROI. If you're looking for a pure ROI number, I think organizations are moving less are moving away from. ROI metrics and more onto the VOI value on investment metrics, which is things like, um, you know, building these type of things into your culture as a business line item. I think that's today what we're talking about is, you know, there's a travel budget for going to do different things in conferences. We recognize that we're seeing macro trends around mental health and well-being that this isn't going anywhere. In fact, the issue is growing. So, you know, getting in front of it, um, understanding the value and demonstrating to your employees, hey, we, we care about you and we have this program in place to help you. Well, allow me to say that uh, ROI and value uh, are the same because if I'm losing money after, after this, con- after this uh, program, probably I won't stay with this program, right? So value or, uh, or return on investment, it's the same. Uh, as an employer, you want to see what is the benefit for the company when you invest that money. For sure, I mean, you, there's there's a million different things you can you can you can measure when it comes to ROI. I think it it depends. There's no kind of universal standards of ROI. Like a company may have different objectives, like reducing safety incidents or or turnover, disability costs. So it's really about uh, getting close to an employer at the front. Like, what do you want to measure and and build on? And then mm-hmm. we have we have you know reporting and analysis that 
demonstrates, hey, this is how it's working. Hmm. Well, I would see the, uh, if you've got retention issues, that's a huge cost. You know, I'm working with the auto industry. It's uh, the last report was $500,000 per dealership. People were losing on average because of high, high, because of turnover, high turnover. So that's definitely something. And I just saw another study talking about how um, employees really value when the company cares about them. This is one way to show right? It's you're investing in employees. So we, we only have about 40 seconds left, but some real feedback from employers on how, or our employees, Mm -hmm. like what have you heard in how this has made a difference to them? I mean, that's probably the, the, the best part of our job is, is, um, you know, we're a tech company at, at the end of the day, but we're, we're selling a mental health product and we get amazing, you know, to, to hear from people that it's helped them get back to work on an employee level, uh, help them return to work from disability, things like that, mm-hmm. um, that it's been instrumental in that. And then employers that, um, you know, that it's been built into their culture on the strength of how adversity is speaking about and leading in preventative mental health um, and changing the narrative around uh, it's an illness to a, to a reality for all of us. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, And again, there's Upstream Conference happening on November 8th. And how can people sign up for that? You can go to upstreamsummit.com. Upstreamsummit.com. here in Calgary. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to go. I'm going to sign up today. Stephen Gromlich. She needs it. it. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen Gromlich, the co-founder and chief marketing officer at Headversity. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stephen. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges.